Hello and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, the podcast that's really only looking for a new Tony Hibbert, not to play football, but just to be there. Right, Football Manager 2021 has been out a little while now, long enough for you to have completed your first seasons, or if you're like me and you manage the under-18 and the under-23 teams, long enough for you to have got the yellow ball. It's certainly long enough for you to be planning your recruitment strategy, and that is what we're discussing today. Joining me through the magic of technology is Sports Interactive's Andrew Sinclair. Hashtag welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Ian. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Now, what do you do all day? Well, the polite answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm part of the social media team. So my focus for a lot of the time is customer support on Twitter. uh, Also the app stores as well for our, our handheld games. And I also do a lot of the the copywriting that goes on the the Football Manager website or the byline at our blog section. Ah, the byline has had some excellent stuff, some stuff that's really helped me out. And and you guys are doing the new Football Manager, the the sort of member zone. What's that called again? Uh, Football Manager FC, FMFC. FMFC. For anyone who hasn't seen that, can you remind people what, what, what the idea is behind that? So it's it's sort of like an exclusive members hub for Football Manager that, allows us to to draw back the curtain a little bit and give you an insight into how certain new additions work or where they came from. And it's our way of giving back something to the people who supported us for a long time. Uh, you, you sign up and create an account and then you can create a bespoke experience by linking your Steam or Epic profile. Or if you play on a different platform, you can you can link that as well. And the aim is certainly to provide targeted content to, to what you're playing and how you're faring uh, in the future. But at the moment, it's it's a way for us to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and share some studio information. And there's also the chance to win one of the uh, lovely FMFC kits every week as well. Can't go wrong with that. Now, pulling back the curtain is very much what we do here. Um, recruitment is such an important part of this game, but it can be a little bit daunting. You know, the, the game has changed so much over the years. Um, quite a lot of people who listen to this show are sort of returning for the first time in ages. So what, what we're looking to do really here is is just sort of demystify a few things. Now, there's, there's one new thing at the start um, of... of most managers saves um, with the new game, which is the recruitment meeting itself. Um, What's the idea here? I think it was one of the things that we took from the sessions that are run with the studio with real life players, managers, backroom staff from all levels of the game. And they sort of explained to us a little bit more about how the, the recruitment process works and the synergy that's involved between the manager and the backroom team more holistically. So it, the recruitment meeting was a way of us to explain, you know, how you work together with your backroom team. So the areas they're prioritizing and they want you to look at, and often those things will, will marry up. And you'll often see in those, you know, certain player has transfer speculation. So we might want to look at a replacement for that one, or uh, this player is not getting any younger. So we might want to look to bring in someone who maybe isn't going to be a starter this season, but is someone that we can groom for, you know, seasons to come. And I think it's been a great way of illustrating that the real synergy that goes on between a manager and scouts, it's not just a case of me saying, right, I want a six foot three goalkeeper who's left footed. Go and find me one. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's nice. It, it feels really intuitive. Um, and as I say, this is quite a big part of the game because it is possible 
hypothetically for you to manage your club and do your own scouting by choosing to sit and watch opposition games, you know, even ones that were played at the same time as your games, if you've got the detail turned up. But I say this as someone who does tend to go pretty deep into football manager games. That level of depth is a bit more like a cry for help than anything else. So how do I make sure that my scouts are doing all of this stuff for me? So you need to basically make sure you're delegating the the responsibilities, right? So if you were to go into the staff menu and responsibilities, you can then work out who is assigning the scouts to find what, what it is you're looking for. So... I know in a lot of my saves, I tend to get my chief scout to then manage all the other scouts because I'd rather have a constant stream of information and then dip in when I have a specific thought process, usually when I'm angry with an individual because they played badly in a key game or something. But that is the the best way of doing it. You work out who's assigning the scouts. Uh, and then if you decide to take responsibility for yourself, you can then go into the scouting menu assignments and then create a new assignment and you can pick a role a position certain attributes you're looking for and then said scout will go out into the the virtual world of football manager and hopefully find some suitable targets within your price range and and, you know long-term planning structure now last week we were talking about training and coaches and and talking about how yeah, the coaches are all very, very different. They have different strengths and different weaknesses. And and the same is true for scouts, isn't it? Um, how, how do they differ? So you have the, the key metrics, obviously, that everybody looks at of, you know, judging player ability and their potential ability. But there's also the world knowledge element that comes into it with scouts as well. So you might have someone who has really high scores, but they've only ever worked in the country you're managing in or or one other country in, in your continent. Whereas some players who, or some scouts certainly who maybe were players and played all over the place have a much greater knowledge and that will obviously allow them to offer you a variation of uh, recommendations. But there's also the adaptability metric as well, which isn't necessarily going to make them a better scout, but it certainly helps their integration into the club. And if they adapt well to a new country or a new team, they'll get embedded in your structure a lot quicker and therefore be able to do their job in a faster way and get you better recommendations in a shorter period of time. So how does that work in, in practice? I mean, does this mean if, if you've got a really good 68-year-old Scottish scout who has only ever worked in Scotland and you send him to Bolivia and he's got an adaptability of one, does that mean that basically you're, you're probably not going to get many reports because he hasn't been able to find his way out of the airport? <laughs> well, certainly, I think that might be the way you, you would imagine it. But I think, yeah, adaptability is certainly a metric within your club uh, in terms of how they adapt, but also in a, in a global sense as well. So it's worthwhile bearing all of those things in mind when you're a hiring a scout and b working out how you want to use them and how you're going to be able to use them best. So if you were managing, say you're managing Arsenal and you're very keen on getting the better younger players from around Europe, you wouldn't be signing that many 60 or 8-year-old Scottish scouts. You'll be getting someone who's an expert in France and then setting them on France and and so on and so forth. Yeah, definitely. Or you could be looking at someone who has a, a wide knowledge base and you're just giving them the instruction to find players in a certain age range. Um, or players with certain traits across the whole continent. Obviously, that will be determined as well by the scouting package you have in place. So whether that's, you know, 
your scouting package is only going to cover your league or your nation or whether you've got something that's going to cover the whole continent or the world will obviously also dictate the kind of people you're bringing on board. Can can you sort of develop scouts in the same way you develop a player? So you might get a 34-year-old person with fairly limited experience but decent um, attributes and you can send them to Belgium or something and just leave them there and when you come back after a while they'll have adapted? I would have thought so. Uh, yes, I don't. That's not something I've always paid specific attention to. I'm sort of a maybe more of a magpie when it comes to their recommendations. <laughs> I see, I see a number that's above eighty, and I think, oh yes, welcome that's... to the club. But then I realise that I've got nine centre backs, and I'm playing <laughs> two at the back, and I'm suddenly, uh oh, I need to offload these. And then obviously I upset the dressing room, and it all goes down the tubes quite quickly. But yes, I would have thought that they can certainly develop and they'll certainly develop their world knowledge depending on where you're sending them and the, the scouting package you've got in place. And obviously you can, you know, as they get older as well, in theory, that would lead to a maturation and improvement in stats as well, the longer they've been working for you. Now, as you've just said, the scout reports come in and there's obviously a lot of information there, but at the bottom is a number in a colour. And if it's green and over 80, that's just peachy you you can be fairly sure they're going to be good but you can't be certain can you because that number isn't a kind of cast iron concrete this player is good it's just what the scout thinks yeah definitely and obviously that number is predicated on their abilities so if they've only got a judging player ability of say 11 and then they give you a, a 90 rated player well it might turn out that that player isn't actually that great overall or they aren't that great for your system or your level but to that scout, they obviously look great. But obviously, the better scouts you have, the more faith you can put in the number on that scouting report when it hits your inbox. And um, when it comes to manually sort of controlling scouts, say you've you've played a, a game and the the opposing striker has been awesome, and you tell your scouts to to watch them, um, you you get the option like watch for a game, watch for three games, watch for four weeks, things like that. What what are the tangible advantages to saying like watch this person for for three games? Well, they'll be able to pick up information on their statistics and how they perform overall as a striker. So they might see that, you know, in comparison, you'll certainly see this in the analysis report, they'll, you'll get role analysis. So, you know, this striker compares favourably to our number nine for, you know, the amount of top level football they've played or the number of goals they've scored, the number of shots they're having, their, say, their goal XG, which obviously is something new for this year. But they'll also be able to say, you know what, we've watched him for three or four games and he had an absolute stormer against you. But generally, his passing's not a strength or he's not that great in the air compared to who we've got. And then obviously that can give you a bit more food for thought and make you think, yeah, you know, I, you know, maybe I got FM'd or uh, <laughs> he just had one of those great days. And yeah, we've all had good days, but a lot of us have more bad days and good ones. So basically the, the longer that that you leave people to do their job the the better they're going to do it if you've been scouting someone for weeks and weeks and weeks you can have a fairly you can be fairly confident you know what you're going to get yeah definitely i mean in an ideal world i'd say yeah you know what you should scout a player for three months before you're trying to bring them in but as we both know sometimes you're getting a bit of a blind panic and you have a jonesy moment and you just think right i need a defender they've watched him once he looked great i'm going to bring him in 
and then obviously you then regret that as the season progresses and you let in goal after goal. <laughs> it's like you're in my room watching over my shoulder. <laughs> and one particularly nice touch in this version of the game is the ability to get get a little steer from the agent and um, uh, and find out a few shortcuts, how much money they're looking for, that kind of thing. That I'd imagine that's gone down quite well. Well, definitely. I think it's it's a new addition for this year and it has gone down really well with people. And it's another one of those things that we've taken from sessions with real-life managers, players and backroom staff. And it's how, how business is done. You see that with top clubs now. Who they bring in isn't necessarily dependent on who they've been watching or scouting, but it's because of the agents that they're friendly with and the players that they're recommending to them or who are easily accessible in a market that's perhaps changing or not how clubs were used to dealing with. So I just wanted to go for a, a little case study um, in in kind of identifying how you how you find these these players. If I've got a specific issue, let's say that I play long ball with a big target man, but he is 34 and time is running out for him and I need a new one. Uh, and I don't want to change my tactics at all. I want exactly the same thing. I want him to be sort of six foot two or over. Um, good jumping, good heading, that that kind of thing. How do I go about identifying his replacement? Well, as someone who's always been a fan of uh, long balls and target men, that's music to my ears. Essentially, <laughs> there's a couple of ways you can do it. There's a more manual way and then there's a, a sort of a shortcut way. So if you were to go into the, the player search menu, you could look for you know positions, you'd select striker, then role, target man, and then you'd add you know, the age range that you're looking for or certain conditions and attributes. Um, so conditions could be they're based in a certain country or, you know, that they'd qualify as homegrown or something. But then attributes would be, as you say, they're great in the air or they're physically strong or, you know, they're good at, they've got good off the ball movement or something. Or you'll see when you go for the, the player search, there's a box at the top right hand corner that says find similar player to. You can then add the name of the person that you've currently got at your disposal, and then it'll be like, right, we'll find a similar player to, say, Troy Deeney at Watford. And then it, when it populates the player search, it would pick the position, the role, uh, and then the, the attributes that that person is particularly strong for. So again, it'd be jumping, strength, off the ball. And then it would give you a list of suggestions of players who are very similar to whoever said striker, defender, winger is that you were trying to replace. Outstanding. That is that is my new favourite button. Right, quick message, um, and then we'll talk strategy. Um, and that message is this. This show is made by The Athletic. Now, back in the days when I was a football journalist, I used to get sent all over the place, covering every team in the Premier League and some beyond. And it was splendid. New places, new faces. And I don't want to go full partridge, but very generous mileage. But it did mean that I wasn't really an expert. I was never in one place long enough. The Athletic is different. Every Premier League club, and some beyond, has at least one and sometimes two specialist writers. They write about that club week in, week out, and it shows in the depth and the authority of their writing. They know people. They know stuff. They do good words. Now, if that sounds like your sort of thing, why wouldn't it be your sort of thing? Subscribe now. We're recording a little in advance at the moment, so I don't know what the special offer is. But if you go to theathletic.com forward slash fmpod, you'll find out. It's bound to be a good one. More than that, you'll be helping to sustain this show because that's how it works. Uh, if you've already subscribed to The Athletic and you still want to help the show, 
why not leave a nice review? Because they help too. And we have had, at the time of recording, reviews from Craig W, Albrighton12, Luke Oddy, R3V23, R3 to his mates, N Mimosa, M Belderson, uh, Kyriakos and Jake Bug's dad, they've already done it and it's making me look good. And if I look good, the show looks good. And if the show looks good, we can carry on doing the show. That's really the key here. Now, show's looking very good today because I'm here with Andrew Sinclair. We're talking recruitment. Uh, we've just discussed how to set up your scouts to do all the stuff for you, how best to search for players, things like that. But but let's talk about let's talk about the ideology of recruitment. The the why you do it, if you will, because there are two types of scouting. There's looking for players who will make your team better now, and there's looking for players who will make your team better later. Now, any stage in the game, unless you've created an incredible team that's just gobbling up trophies for fun, there's always going to be players out there who will make you better. But every season, the game will dump a whole load of new gens into the database, and there will always, always be wonder kids. Andrew, how do you find the Wonder Kids? I mean, there's a couple of different ways to, to find them. Well, I mean, obviously one of them is by accident, uh, which I've done a couple of times. But there are some more, you know, structured approaches that have been brought in in, in recent versions. So one of them is our trusty friend, the player search menu. If you customise your view, you get in there, uh, go to filter general, you can then select the media description and one of the media descriptions of players in Football Manager 2021 is Wonderkid. So if you add that into your view, you'll then get a nice column on the right hand side that will say veteran striker, young winger, Wonderkid. Now, obviously, if you've got the filter on interested in transfer or interested in loan, you might lose them. But if you take that off, you should have a whole bevy of Wonderkids from the, the leagues, nations you've loaded, uh, ready to, to come and join you. So that's one of the ways. And then obviously you can also, when the, the youth in tech days happen across the world, you can go to the little world icon or the globe icon at the top, go to transfers from that menu and then go to youth intake. And you can filter by nation, date they've come through, year they've come through, and then you can pick out names, clubs. Um, so that there's a couple of main ways. And then you can also couple of little tricks obviously there are certain clubs who are world renowned for their youth development so if you want to be crafty you can always jump into their youth teams and think right okay you know Ajax have a world famous production line of young talent so if I jump into their under 18s there's bound to be something I can snap up or also smaller clubs from you know nations that maybe aren't as strong internationally but they've traditionally always produced good players you'll be able to get for a lower price because obviously those clubs have a a smaller global reputation and therefore can't you know negotiate you over a barrel to demand 50 million for their 16 year old right back you know we've done six episodes of this show and i think we've isolated a lot of really interesting and important tips that one is head and shoulders uh, above everything that's i i can almost hear people reaching for their laptops to um, to get on their games and get that going um, one of the things you you have when you're playing football manager, you you can occasionally get kind of caught up in the current, um, particularly towards the end of a season. You start just being like, I've got to get this fixture done. I've got to get this month done. I've got to get this season done. And you you start to sort of lose track of what's going on around you. There's there's nothing worse than that moment where you 
you play Manchester United and they've got a different manager and for some reason you you miss this completely. But it's actually tangibly difficult when you find yourself sort of two, three years in, you've got no idea who the good players are. How do you, Andrew, go about setting your game up so that you are kept in, kind of kept in the loop about what's going on in football the same way you would be in, in real life? When you get the uh, email, I think it's at the beginning of the season, might be the end as well, about the social feed. That's an area where you can customise and make sure you're getting information on all sorts. Obviously, the information you get is going to be dependent on the, the leagues you've loaded. But I'm also just a proper anorak. So I like spending loads of time just looking at club profiles, seeing the transfer business they've done, seeing who their manager is and thinking, oh, no, you know, I've got a soft spot for Partick Thistle up in Scotland. Oh, no, they've sacked, you know, Ian McCall. Who's there now? Oh, they've got so-and-so. And then I end up down a rabbit hole of just clicking on links and finding out where players are or whatever. But I guess another way is just, you know, selecting a league and going looking at the statistics options. So then breaking it down into, you know, competition stats, player detailed, and you can see who are the top goal scorers, who are the top assisters, who's covering the most ground. And obviously from there, I usually find a few players to scout as well for for the summer months. And of course, this is a point where you realise that if you, for example, have just a completely English scouting team, they've never worked abroad, your coverage is pretty much limited to England it, itself. Um, and if you don't have anyone at the club who, for example, knows anything about German football, when you come to click on a German player, you won't have any stats, will you? No. Um, and obviously you can disable attribute masking in the game if you want to know everything off the bat, but that sort of takes away the fun of it and also isn't necessarily going to be what a real-life management role would be like. So, yeah, it's always important when you're thinking about your backroom team to ensure that you are as multicultural and as well-informed as you can possibly be because it's great to have a knowledge of just your country, but obviously, you know, obviously Brexit's certainly going to change the way English football teams have to recruit. But if you're playing on the continent, you know, you want to have as diverse a squad as possible and that means you need to have eyes and ears all over the place. And it doesn't just have to be your scouts, does it? If you get like a Polish goalkeeping coach, they their knowledge of, of Poland will, will help you out, right? Yes, of course. And when those members of staff sign, you'll get the little prompt in the news item saying, recommend signing. And that's something I always click because they often come up with something weird and wonderful that even if your scouts haven't suggested or you're not going to take advantage of, you're at least getting a different look. And if they recommend a position you've not even thought about recently, you might think, oh, okay, maybe I can look at using someone who's particularly strong as a libero or a regista or segundo volante or just, you know, just straightforward ball-winning midfielder. That's some great A pronunciation there. Got to be impressed with that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I want to tell you about this uh, brilliant podcast from The Athletic, and it, it is really brilliant as well. Have a listen to it while you're playing, and uh, yeah, you might find it inspirational. Who knows? We'll be back in a tick. He just looked stressed all the time. In esta sala, él es el puto jefe, el puto amo. It got really to the point where they were completely untouchable in the league. Ich bin ein Muschener, mir san mir. Someone should tell him that if he mentions some Coronation Street episode, something like that, probably he's going to be more more popular. I will be Mancunian for the rest of my life, so I will be Manchester City fan. And yet there's, there's something that, it just feels like there's something missing a little bit. 
I'm Ian McIntosh, and this is Beyond the Headline. Over the next two episodes, we'll take a look back on moments from Guardiola's coaching past and see what they might tell us about his coaching future. We'll ponder what another two years of Pep's Man City might look like and wonder whether everyone involved might come to regret it. That's Beyond the Headline, available wherever you get your podcasts or get it ad-free via The Athletic. Okay, welcome back. We've had uh, more emails and, and more questions. Thank you so much to everyone who's got in touch. It's iMacintosh at theathletic.com. You can get in touch about pretty much anything. You know, it's, it's good to talk. Uh, Keith Edwards uh, got in touch. He says, I have a tip that you may know or may not. Uh, when I was trying to sign a few players, I didn't want to spend buckets of money on their wages. I noticed a bonus called sell on percentage fee. And it's great to convince players to sign for you if you're not actually planning to sell them. It's a bit of a con, but you can get them on a cheaper wage because they think they're going to get paid if they get sold. And then I won't sell them. Keith. You're a crafty, crafty man. I have a feeling it will probably come back to haunt you at some point further down the line. Um, but definitely in the short term, that sounds like a pretty decent way to to get players. What, what do you reckon of that, Andrew? Oh, definitely. I think there's a lot of different options you can make in uh, customising you know, your contract offers to players. And I'm someone who I've always loved managing in small countries because I often found that if I took on a team that I say knew... I'm an Arsenal fan. So if I took on Arsenal, I'd always feel that I knew the players inside out and I knew who to sign and I knew who the club would be after in real life. And it kind of, you know, it changed the way I'd go about my recruitment. Whereas if you're in a smaller country, you've got to go with what, you know, your backroom team is suggesting to you or what you are able to find through scout reports using the scouting centre properly. And often you don't have much money to work with. So it's about trying to extract as much possible value from your budgets possible so that could be offering your player a massive goal bonus or you know your goalkeepers and defenders why not give them a clean sheet bonus that sort of thing and obviously a sell-on percentage is another way of doing it and as Keith says it's a very a bit of a crafty way of doing it but as someone who can get quite attached to their players, certainly one I can second. I am someone whose uh, entire scouting team at Sunderland has been recruited on the basis that they get, I think, £100,000 if we win the League Cup, um, which, given that we just got turned over by Crew Alexandra, seems unlikely at this point. Um, any questions you want to send, imacintosh at theathletic.com. Uh, it is time for Book Club. Um, and thank you again for so many messages on this. It's great. I can I can almost outsource this now. David gets in touch. Uh, he says he's really enjoyed the show. So thank you very much for that. He's been playing since uh, a former version with a name I can't say. Um, and he is a massive, massive fan of starting unemployed, getting a job and spending four hours sorting things before hitting continue. He is, in short, a man after my own heart. And he recommends uh, a book by Paul Watson, uh, who we had on the Totally Football show once, about three or four years ago, I think. That book is Up Pon Pay, which is two blokes essentially playing football manager in real life, taking over the Pon Pay national team. That's a, uh, a, a small Pacific island. Um, they were 
essentially just normal blokes. They took over an international football team. And, um, well, I mean, have a read. It's really, really highly rated. I've never actually read it. I might have to change that uh, because it's £4.99 on Apple Books and £4.61 on Kindle. Proper little price war going on there. Um, Check that one out. And if you've got any books that you want to send me, like if you're a publisher, uh, feel free to do so. We'll, We'll happily review them. We like books here. Andrew, before we go, what's your favourite football book? Ooh, that's a very good question. Uh, I've got quite a lot by Jonathan Wilson. So probably Angels with Dirty Faces or Inverting the Pyramid. I know it's a little bit cliche. Um, also the book on oh, the former Hanover keeper, uh, Robert Anker. Oh, uh, yes. That's exceptionally... Ronald Rang, I think, is his book. Yeah. Very good. I also, one that I enjoyed... I read a couple of years ago now was uh, Adam Carroll Smith's Six Stickers, which was about an oh, old yeah. Panini sticker album that he dredged out thinking he'd finished and had six gaps left and then went on search trying to find those people, which I thought it was perfectly whimsical. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it reminded me of my uh, 2006 FIFA World Cup album, the first sticker album I'd done properly. And uh, there's one gap for Brett Emerton of Australia. <laughs> there'll always be a gap for brett emerton of australia um, check that one out six stickers i think i remember reviewing that and i think i enjoyed it as well a uh, long long time ago that came out must have been 2014 2015 um keep an eye out for them andrew that is all we've got time for we'll be back next week we're going to be discussing online gaming online fm with neil brock don't miss that make sure if you've missed anything check out all the other episodes on this feed um there are they are filled filled with hints and tips that will make you better at this game if you've enjoyed the show and you want to keep them coming subscribe to the athletic with the promo code theathletic.com forward slash fm pod or just leave us a review this has been the football manager show by the athletic i've been talking to andrew sinclair your producer's been cornelius mendez and we'll see you next week